Hey guys, this is me, Did You Move Today? Hey guys, I'm so excited to have Laura here. Uh, she has over 15 years of teaching experience and she has studied dance. She has a BS in kinesiology. Um, she's a manager of Dance to Evolve and she's also a Pilates certified. So anyway, Laura, I'm very excited to have you here. And just so you know, this is the third time that we yeah. record this. Um, not sure exactly what's going on with the internet, but we're hoping that this time everything is going to go smoothly. So, Laura, if you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I started uh, dancing at the age of three. I grew up in a small town in Mount Vernon where dance was just the thing that everyone was put into. So not I wasn't asking to, to dance or anything like that. It was just something that we all knew would happen. Um, but once I did start dancing, I just became obsessed with it. I spent all my time at my hometown studio. I begged my teacher to let me start teaching, uh, assisting and then teaching after that. Um, we spent a lot of time just with me sitting there observing classes, just soaking everything in, honestly. Um, so by the age of 10, I, I pretty much knew that teaching was something I really wanted to do. And I wasn't even certain if teaching dance was necessarily um, the key piece, but it was something that I just knew I wanted to be part of my life. Um, so I also was a competitive dancer and um, did all of the kind of traditional dance, jazz, tap, ballet, lyrical, all those things that you compete in. We did lots and lots of different competitions. I probably was always in at least 15 or 20 dances that competed every year. Um, so I had a really strong competitive background growing up. And then whenever I went to college, I auditioned at Indiana University to be in the dance major program, which was through the science of kinesiology. And when I had auditioned for it, they had just brought the program back after it had been removed due to funding. So we were kind of, my class was one of the first ones to come in and really start this program up. So we were a very small class. I think I graduated with maybe 10 other people, but that was it. Um, just because when it came back, many people weren't really aware that it even was back into a program. So um, in college, I learned a lot more about the modern side of everything because that was our focus was science of kinesiology with the focus on being a dance major in modern. And then, of course, you do all your other classes that go along with it. So we had to study various genres. We all had to do um, just a, a list of other classes to go along with it on top of all of our science classes that went with the major. Now, um, so, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I, I just think something that I found fascinating is that the Bachelor of Science, it can't, the kinesiology department was offering that department. You know, it's just like, right. it's crazy. Um, if there's like dancers that are listening to this podcast, it's crazy to think, and, and I'm going to be very honest with you, Laura, when I read your bio a couple of years ago before I met you, I was like, what does kinesiology has to do with dance? But that was just like my idea because at that time I didn't have an understanding of what kinesiology was. 
Right. And now it's just like after so many, like after a couple of years, it all makes sense. So I'm, I'm just fascinated about this idea that, uh, you know, the science department in kinesiology was offering that program. Was that a concentration or was that literally like, was that like a double major or was it just more like a concentration? In no, it's just a concentration. Um, Perfect. So you were saying that um, that it was like a concentration. So the right. Concentration in dance. Yes. So Elizabeth Shea, the director of our program at IU, she was the one who really wanted the dance program to be blanketed under this kinesiology idea because, and especially the way she taught. I mean, when she would teach us, you could just hear in her teaching that she was very aware of how the body was supposed to move and how, how she wanted it to be moving and the reason why it was moving the way that it was. It wasn't just make sure your body gets into this shape. It was your body is capable of getting into this shape because of X, Y, and Z. Um, so so really finding the why in everything. Right. Okay. Exactly. So we spent a lot of time, we were moving constantly, but then we were also discussing movement a lot. Um, you know, when we would do stuff across the floor, if, if someone wasn't capable of doing it for whatever reason, it wasn't because it was something that they couldn't do. It's because of the way that their body either worked or the way that they weren't using their body in the right way for it to work that way. And then how do you fix it? How do you change it? How do you make it different or the same or better? Um, so it was nice. It was nice to kind of have that. Um, and then, of course, whenever I started getting certified in Pilates, that just amplified all that knowledge of the anatomy and the body and the way that it moves and the way that our muscles move. Um, so our certification for Pilates mat was done through the school, which was really nice. We were able to spend um, two solid semesters going through the certification. And then, of course, we actually had to... Um, take the certification course and all of, or sorry, not the certification course, but the certification um, interview and training to be able to start teaching. And then through that, I just became really interested in the Pilates movement and I wanted to do more. So then I signed up separately on my own to get certified in the reformer and the chair through Pilates. Mm -hmm. um, so that's pretty much what I did. Um, then I moved to Chicago after, right after I graduated and found it really hard to find teaching positions for dance. But what I did find right off the bat was Pilates teaching roles, you know, just doing mm -hmm. group, group classes and private lessons. Um, so that's really where I started my first year living in Chicago. And I think I only taught maybe 10 dance classes, um, but I got hired by a kid's creative center out in the North shore and that's where I really found my love for teaching younger kids dance classes, um, where I always thought I was going to, I thought for sure I was going to be the teacher that started my own, you know, competition studio and taught these older kids and took all these, you know, groups to competition. And then I just realized how important it was for young kids to start learning dance and loving dance the way that I did and to really have a better experience and to have a little bit more knowledge behind it and a little bit more fun behind it. So 
Um, were you ever, uh, Laura, when after your after college, did you ever, you know, did you even consider like physical therapy or biomechanics or something even deeper, or were you just think, were you thinking this is what I want to do? This is, I want to teach. I want to teach little yeah. teach kids. Did you I, ever consider I, that or? No, I mean, I honestly thought about going back for my own purposes of just getting a little bit more knowledge, but I just knew, I mean, it just, it's never been even a question about what I do for a living. This is just what I do and what I love doing. And I like to be able to see kids 10 years from when they started with me saying how much they love dance. And it was because they started with us. Now, maybe they don't stay with us, obviously, because, you know, by the time that they get older, if they really do have a passion for it, they're moving on to something else. But, um, yeah, it's, that's just never been a question. I know you also moved to, um, you moved to California, right? Right. So after I did, uh, two years of kind of independent contractor work where I was a Pilates instructor and a teacher and here and here and here, and I was started my days every day at 4.30 a.m. and usually wouldn't finish teaching until 9 p.m. and everything was so sporadic and um, moved around, you know, because when you're an independent, you try to book up your hours and your schedule. So I kind of hit a wall and was just like, I'm going to move out to California. I was 24 years old. I didn't have anything holding me back. And so I moved to California and was hired before I moved there through Dance to Evolve, through Brittany White, who started it in San Diego. Um, and I worked for her, and then I also worked for two other studios out in San Diego. Um, and I was only there for a year, but with Dance to Evolve was when I got really into the business aspect of dance and started seeing, okay, here's really what it takes to be a successful company, to be able to one, support yourself, but also support teachers, you know, hire people. And um, then plus just the customer service of it all, having to deal with families on a deeper level than I ever did just teaching my own classes. Um, so got to do that. And then I, um, we started, when I first started with Dance to Evolve, we had 35 kids in San Diego. By the time that I left there, they had 350. Wow. So we had a major growth spurt, and it was really just Brittany and myself and one other girl. And um, so she had actually invited me to come over for dinner one night, and I got there, and I already knew I was going to tell her I was moving back to Chicago. Um, So when I walked in, she's got this big dinner ready, and she's like, okay, I have something really important to ask you. And she was like, I want you to run – dance we've all san diego and i was like oh actually i'm moving back to chicago so after we kind of sat there and of course you know she was upset and everything and we kind of sat there for a while and we both honestly had a glass of wine and she just goes let's start it in chicago let's have you move back there and we'll just try it um so i i left san diego with the idea that Dance to Evolve would start in Chicago. Um, and it's been pretty successful now, Dance to Evolve Chicago. Right. My first year, of course, it was just me, and I was still working at other studios while I was starting it for the first three years, honestly. Um, I was still teaching. I taught a lot 
um, out in the North Shore. I taught at um, a few studios in this city and was mainly teaching myself. And then by the third year, I was able to start hiring teachers. And um, now we're on, we just finished year seven. And year seven, I had um, 10 lead teachers and then five assistant teachers. So it's been, it's been quite a big growth over the last five years. For sure. Now, can I ask you a couple of questions concerning the, the hiring situation? And yeah, I know because absolutely. if there's a dancers that listen to this podcast, I just want to make sure that they know what someone is looking for once they graduate from, from college. Because I know like that was one of my, you know, my thing when I graduated from college, I'm like, okay, so what can I do? How can I get there? You know? Um, right. And I think like for a lot of, for a lot of people, um, out there, you know, just you're, you're kind of, you're the example of like, okay, this is, this is, I know like I had a lot of classmates in school, in, in college that were like, I want to own, I want to have my own studio. I want to have, right. I want to have that. And sometimes it is challenging because if you don't have the capital to do that, it, it you know, it, it's, it's an investment. So what do you look for in terms of when hiring a teacher? Uh, I know you come from a also kinesiology background. So do you ever um, think about that? Uh, because, okay, so if I, if I talk about my dance, the, dan the dance major that I did at Columbia, it was more, it was modern based. Yes, I learned a lot about technique, quote unquote. Um, and I took classes in anatomy and we, they offer kinesiology too, but never very, very, um, deep, if that makes any sense. And now that I see, now that I look back, I'm like, I wish that I knew more about kinesiology because we're about movement in general, because it's so important to not only yeah. understand the technique behind whatever style, but also behind the, the student that is actually, you know, um, as you mentioned, like you, you were talking about your, your, the, the teacher or director that she was always assessing, uh, the, the student prior to, um, prior to just, you know, like, you know how in ballet there's sometimes a teacher could be like, I want you to go and badmon a bone. And you're like, well, I don't think I can go that far. Right. And so uh, what, what do you look like in terms of when hiring a teacher or when hiring an assistant? Yeah. So, you know, to be perfectly honest, our industry is one that the more experience, the better, which, of course, we're not going to come across that all the time. So my first thing that I always say is first impressions make all the difference. So people send me their resumes and I usually will set up a phone meeting with them prior to ever meeting them face to face. And a few things go into the phone meeting. Um, usually I ask them to meet with me at a certain time and I usually tell them to call, they need to call me. So the number one thing is, did they call me on time? Did they call me on time? Did they call me 10, 20 minutes late? Um, and then over the phone, a lot of it is about their voice because For our program, we work with such young kids. If I get someone who calls me and they're talking like this, then I'm, I immediately just think, okay, that voice will never work with a children's class. Mm -hmm. um, 
and and don't get me wrong because I think everybody can be trained you know in certain ways but I I definitely think that's a huge thing and I think it's something that that teachers don't think about you know they just kind of hone in those phone calls and they're ready to actually meet in person and it's like you know a lot of times I've I've talk to somebody over the phone and then I never set up an actual meet with them because I just know from that phone conversation that I'm not going to be able to use them for our program. Now, maybe another one, of course. Um, And then in terms of teaching, I just always think that you have to, one, be able to break things down for the age that we teach. A lot of teachers just want to kind of rush into it. It's And mainly it's because they've never taught this age group. So they're thinking, okay, I'm working with three-year-olds and they're teaching them the same way that they would teach 12-year-olds. And you just can't do that. You have to be able to break everything down. So it's not just here, look, make your feet look like mine. A lot of times they don't have that, you know, look and see coordination and look and do coordination. So, um you have to physically be able to show them or walk them through it or talk them through it. So I listen a lot to how they're teaching in terms of their voice. Um, Are you able to break it down? Were the kids able to grasp what you were doing? Um, Everything from theirs just added benefits. You know, if if they already have that in them, while the science of it all is wonderful and I wish more people had the background that we got, in our major that had that science background, um, you know, unfortunately it's just, that's never how it's going to be in, in the scheme of things in the dance world. Um, but I also think it's about, do you care enough to learn? And if you do, then I would hire you even if you didn't have a ton of experience. Um, you know, and honestly, I think back to a lot of the teachers I've hired that, that have come to me with no teaching experience. And if they're a person that whenever I meet, I think, okay, this person would be okay with sitting down with me and me watching their class and me saying, hey, listen, this was great, but this could use improvement. Or let's, you know, instead of doing this, you should try this. Or here's why this didn't work. And if they're sitting there going, okay, awesome, I'm taking notes, I'm writing things down, then those are the teachers that I, I keep and I want to keep building and growing with. So mainly, mainly, you know, and mainly is Taipei, you know. Right. Because I've, I've noticed that um, even in college, I had classmates that were Taipei and some classmates that were like, oh, no, like, you know, very, very, very laid back, which yes. I'm not <laughs> against them at all. I, I'm just Taipei, clearly. But it's just... I wonder how hard it is um, as a, you know, the, as a manager like you are right now to deal with people that are either very laid back or very type A. Yeah, you know, Do you have a suggestion it. for those people that are, you know, in college and, you know, very laid back and... You know, what, what would be your, your, your advice or your, or if you have experience with that? I'm sure you have, but yeah, absolutely. So pretty much, um, I, it goes both ways. I'm definitely more on the type A side. So I struggle with that lax lifestyle of I roll into class right as it's starting and I just am like winging it or, um, 
anything like that. But I do have to say that some of the best teachers are the type, you know, the type B teachers that they are just that creative, like their mind just ticks different. And that creativity that comes out of it is, it's really inspirational to see something like that where I don't think that way. Um, so, so it's a blend and for anybody who's looking from coming out of college. I would definitely say if there's anything I can tell you when working for someone, no matter who you're working for, they want things done by the time that they say that they want it done. And that's just something in life. It's not, you know, I mean, it's like turning in a paper whenever you're in school and your teacher says it's due on Friday they're not going to be okay with someone who's like, oh, shoot, I just, the, the creative mindset got to me and I'm not going to be able to get it in until Tuesday. They're like, no, I gave you a time frame. So while it's great to have that creative idea and mindset, it's, it's more like a respect thing. Of if you want to be hired and keep your job and, and you know, be successful in, in your classes and everything else, you have to be able to do what's expected of you. Um, not to say that it's, again, have the freedom, have the time for yourself, but when something is expected of you, it should be accomplished. Great. Now, what is, uh, do you still, I know we've, we've talked about this before, I think in the past, do you still, uh, I'm sure you still work out, you still move. And a question that I ask all the time in my podcast is, did you move today? Meaning, move to be anything. So, did you move today? Yes, I did. I taught um, classes this morning, and then I actually went downtown and went shopping. So, I walked all around (laughs) Michigan Avenue. Wow, great. Now, do you still... you know, do you try, do you try or practice different styles, different forms, um, besides, I know, uh, teaching is a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of movement, but do you go and take other classes in Chicago? Like, you know, it could be anything, Tai Chi, Pilates, Yoga, whatever. You You know, I do a little bit of everything. The one thing that I actually don't do enough of is going and taking dance classes for myself. That (laughs) is, you know, that's one thing that I wish I did more often. Um, but I, um, I actually try to bop around to different classes. So um, lately I've been loving boxing, um, mm-hmm. title boxing in Chicago. I love their classes. So I've been taking a lot of those. I've light, I really got into yoga about three years ago. And I take yoga a lot at Zen Yoga Garage um, over in the Bucktown neighborhood. Yeah. Um, love their programs. Um, I do that. I still do Pilates. Uh, Pilates Pro Works has reformer classes. And they're the, the hard thing with a lot of places, like a Pilates studio, to do the Pilates that I used to teach is quite expensive. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you have to try to find that balance of, you know, I'm not, I, I can do a class in a group room and be able to do it successfully because I actually know what I'm doing. Um, you know, instead of having to hire a private Pilates instructor, which yeah. would cost up to $100 an hour, possibly more depending on where you're going. So I still do all of that stuff. Um, I also have like a gym membership. So I just, a lot of times it's just going and sometimes doing the ellipticals, sometimes going and doing weight training. Um, I'm pretty open to everything except running. I will not run. So anything besides getting on a treadmill. That's awesome. 
Yeah. I mean, I think that the what you just mentioned, uh, the idea of being open and trying every physical discipline out there so that your body, you know, can move in different ways, which right. I think something that we focus a lot um, and, you know, I'm a yoga instructor, but when I was um, getting so into yoga, I forgot about the weight training and just like, hey, I kind of have to lift weights. I need to get some strength and, you know, and just like also as um, you just mentioned boxing, which is like high intensity interval training, which I think is it's awesome. Yeah. So it's 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 great that you have that besides teaching, you're always moving do you have do you do you bring friends with you or you just go by yourself and that's something you that know, you need like your coping mechanism or is it just I've done a little bit of both I usually exercise on my own um it, not even for I mean I I don't mind being by myself at all but it's mainly because my schedules never align with anybody else's schedule um so, and I am not a morning workout person. So that 5 a.m. stuff, that's for the birds. I won't do it. So, <laughs> so I miss any of my friends who work in the corporate world where they have to do 5 a.m. because they can't make it to anything else in the afternoon. Um, but, yeah, I've worked out with friends. I, I, but a lot of times I just go on my own. Um, and that's okay. Like boxing yesterday that I did was great. I kind of like – when I am working out on my own, I, I like to kind of be off to the side. I'm not the person who's going to be up front and center. And um, I want to kind of be back so that I can either go as slow or as fast as I want to um, without feeling pressure from kind of any other, any other person. Great. Now, um, you mentioned the corporate world. And yeah. working in a desk nine to five is a lot of sitting down. <laughs> yeah. And so it's either the person that is working has to stand up and go to the bathroom or grab some water or something because otherwise the body gets, I guess, sitting down all the time. Um, and so do you have, you mentioned that you have friends that work in the corporate world. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice or any suggestions because you've never worked in the corporate world, what would you do? I was actually listening to a podcast um, today and this girl was talking about uh, that she, she was uh, yeah she worked and she had like a marketing um, title marketing director of a very big firm and she was a dancer and so she said that her passion was to become you know to dance and to teach uh, to teach kids dance classes to teach dance classes and so then, um, after maybe 10 years after, she realized that, and she decides to quit. And so she goes, and now she is continuing with her dance, um, you know, teaching dance classes. And so it's awesome. I want to acknowledge you for being, very, for being brave, because I mm -hmm. call that brave, you know. It's it, the idea of changing or having this different mindset of I'm going to make this happen since a very young age, that, right. I, that I think it's fascinating. Do you have any suggestions for those people that are working in the corporate world and they've been wanting to do what you're doing for a long time? Yeah. And maybe they're, you know, they're still afraid or. You know, one thing that I've found um, 
from people who do work in kind of corporate America and still want to be a part of this, I always say start small. So teaching on Saturdays, teaching on Sundays, maybe you, you teach one or two 5 a.m. classes. Um, you know, if you're into the fitness industry or maybe you teach afternoon classes if you're into teaching, you know, dance or anything like that. Um, start small because the truth is, and I think you know as well as I do, when you break away from the cushion of a salary and or commission or just that the when you go into something where you're not working just nine to five anymore, I mean, and, and you won't, you will not work nine to five if you move into our industry. Um, and sometimes I think in the people look at it and say, oh, it seems like, you know, such great life. And they meet people and they're like, oh, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And not that anybody can't do it. But I just sometimes tell people, take a little step back, start small, because this might not be for you. And, and once you've cut off ties and once you try it, I also think you've got to be able to give yourself, can I go for three months without having all my 30 hours worth of work that I need? to survive because um, it is hard and it's it's definitely uh, the thing I get a lot from people is one I think when I tell people who are not part of the like dance world um, or even fitness industry when I tell people what I do I think a lot of people look at me like she teaches dance how cute how you know oh she's you know she probably has the best job ever and just gets to dance all day with little kids and you know, all this. And while, yes, I love my job and I would not trade it for any other job. It's not easy. It's not just all fun and games and this and that. I mean, you're going to go through a lot of rejection. You're going to go through a lot of um, people telling you, Hey, my kid didn't like your class. And then you have to reevaluate. You're like, Oh, oh my gosh, is everything I'm doing just for it? are people enjoying my class? Cause you don't get that. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You don't get a lot of people telling you, Hey, nice job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely, I think, yeah, it's, it's just harder than it seems. Um, and not that I'm discouraging anybody from following their dreams or doing anything like that. Um, but I just always say, ease yourself into it because you can start small, you can build up, but if you just cold turkey cut it, it's going to be a, a hard road ahead. A hard start. Right. Which maybe that's the best thing for some people, and it certainly could be. I just, again, back to my type A personality, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't survive that. Yeah, I, I, I love that you mentioned that rejection. Because yeah. It's crazy how, as dancers, we face a lot of rejection. Oh, Even yeah. Even in auditions, it's sometimes one person thinks like, oh, I'm 100% ready to be in this audition. And then you're like, oh, I guess I'm not. Right. And, and honestly, and it's all, a lot of it's just opinion, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, how one of my dance teacher friends might see this girl dancing. I see her dancing a different way. And maybe she loves it. Maybe I don't. And 
yeah, and that's, that is who is going to tell you if you're in or not. And so that's hard to, um, being a dancer to, cause a lot of it's so physical. Um, you know, it's, yes, you are dancing and you can be the best dancer in the room, but maybe that, maybe the day you went in, you didn't fix your hair the way that they thought you were supposed to fix your hair for an audition. And then that's it. You're done. Right. So it, it's, it's tough. Now, what's, uh, to end the podcast, uh, before, before we end this, um, thank you again for your time. It's awesome oh, to yeah. see that you are, you have such an amazing background. Um, and I'm not saying this only because I know you, but <laughs> well, because you. the kinesiology and, um, dance and Pilates, which is some sort of rehabilitation for dancers, you know, it's, um, for all those, you know, I, I think Pilates is like a, Joseph Pilates was the person that created Pilates, wasn't he? That the that he started this as a, just like a, some sort of rehabilitation, right? Yes. For those dancers that were injured. Yes. Um, Joseph Pilates started it as a way to, dancers kept getting hurt and he was trying to find out how to, you know, basically come in there and fix it. And he found that the core, you know, which is why whenever you take a Pilates class, it is so always so core focused. Um, he found that by strengthening that it went out to your other extremities. And so you built from the center outward. Um, and now they created this, uh, other form that I really wanted to try. It's on my to-do list, gyrotonics. Have you heard of that? Yes. I've actually taken a class for it. Did you like it? Uh, yes, I only did it once and it was probably five or six years ago. Are we talking about that big machine? Yes, a big machine. Yeah. They have it in yeah. Chicago, but there's like only two studios or one studio that offers that. So you know, like, there was another studio that had it, but they closed down. It was over on um, like diverse, almost diversity in Clark. I know those aren't the exact cross streets, mm -hmm. um, but it was off of another yoga studio and they opened it. And, um, but it just didn't last. And I think it's mainly because a lot of people don't are, are scared or intimidated by it. Um, cause you see all the contraptions and the, yeah. and the stuff and the pulling and the upside down. And, um, but you know, from what I gathered the one time I took it, it was, it was wonderful, but yeah, sometimes it could be that people are afraid, you know, the fitness, that fitness term, sometimes it's only, oh, it's only fitness is it it is only uh, weight lift lifting weights it's only boxing it's only right this. it's only high intensity interval training and then we forget about the other forms you know like um you know other other movements that are outside that not a lot of people know about it right besides the people that are into movement studies and are in the industry of movement so yeah that's awesome to hear to hear that you you've you, you've taken a class that's something that I, I really wanted to do. It's, it's yeah. on my list. Well, I'm going to be interested to hear once you do it because I think you will probably really appreciate it. Yeah. Great. So, Laura, before we finish the podcast, uh, I have one question for you. Yes. If you could answer the question in a couple of sentences, what's movement for you? You know, I actually assumed you were going to ask me that one. And... <laughs> Um, movement for me, 
is an expression, Um, whether it be for performance, for health, for yourself. It's a way for you to feel better. That's what I would say. (laughs) Great, great. Is there any... um any questions that you would like me for me to ask you that I did not ask you or something else that you would like to share with either uh, freshmen you know in college right now that are that are that are, uh, that are in the dance industry or that are they're trying to become a part of the dance industry yeah anyone in the world really that is just you know trying to move better or Well, I want to start by saying I really appreciate what you're doing and the fact that, you know, when I first met you, you hadn't really started this journey quite yet. Um, And now you're really on this true journey of finding out why people move, what we move for, what does movement mean to everyone. And I love the fact that you're open to everything. Um, And I would just say, you know, just like what you've been doing, follow what you're passionate about because that can only take you great places. Um, don't be complacent and enjoy what you do. Great. Great. Now, Laura, where can we find you in social media? Well, uh, you can follow Dance to Evolve Chicago on Instagram at Dance to Evolve Chicago. Um, you can follow us on Facebook as well. Um, and then you can follow me, although I don't post as much about my dance life on my personal accounts. <laughs> it's, it's mainly all through Dance to Evolve. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Laura. And I hope to see you soon. Yes, thank you. Wonderful job. I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy you're doing this. I think it's great. Thank you. All right, right. thank you, guys. Night. All right, you guys, that was Laura. I hope that you moved today, and if you haven't moved, you still have a couple of hours. Otherwise, um, I'll see you in the next episode.